hand knife for an elf, right? Does it turn blue when orcs yeah. are near? <laughs> Does it have Not a little yet. battery to turn it blue? Because yeah. that would be no. awesome. No. That would be awesome, but no. Ship it to Jonathan. He'll figure that out. Today, the dorks sit down with Linda Jennings of SMACNA and Dan Bully of MCAA to talk about association life, how the associations have changed over the years, and take a look at some of the other things the associations do when they're not putting on really cool conferences. It was a lot of fun, so sit back and enjoy the episode. And we're live. That's right. Episode 78. Awesome by association. We got special guests with us. Linda Jennings from SMACNA. Dan Bully from MCA of Chicago. We've got years of association history here. Lots to dig into and lots to have fun with. But y'all know how it goes. We start with our drinks. And well, I'm just going to go with a marketing fail and have myself. Sir water um and and enjoy it here because uh i'm uh i'm on the chasing kids wagon here so as soon as we're done i'll be going and doing the pickup and the drop off and again they frown upon bourbon before you do that so uh mm-hmm. unless you're using that new uber kids which by the way if you haven't seen the new uber teen pretty happy with that right now trying it out just you know a little innovation but uh you know trent i know you're following me with the uh been yeah. on the 75 how many days in are we Today, today's day 46 on this go around. So I'm going to have to go back to normal. I, I think after this, this little stint, I'm going to have to uh, do an episode or two where, where we have a bourbon together. So it needs to happen again, but uh, it will not be this episode. So I'm on the <laughs> drinking the, the Coke zero sugar again. Um, I, I, you know, you've got me. I picked up a Coke zero the other day just cause I was like, this reminds me of Trent. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a Trent. <laughs> oh, right in case now. Coca-Cola wants to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've really come really far. It used to be Flaviar. Now yeah, we're like, got got more money for sure. so, <laughs> drink for more sure. Coke zero. <laughs> uh, Jonathan or Travis may have something interesting though. Um, I'll go. I, I, I definitely am drinking. I got um, a Talisker 10. Um, which is, I think my favorite scotch at this point, like, like even the nicer ones, I, I, I can tend to come back to this one each time. I used to be like a Lafroy 10, but now that now I like this one, this one's less peaty and, and this one doesn't, doesn't like freak people out when they taste a little bit of it. Like when I, when you give it to somebody like try a scotch and they're like, this is horrible. Why do you drink this? Yeah. They taste <laughs> like dirt. It's, uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's like somebody took really good whiskey and put it through dirt what is going on here i'm uh, with but, you I'm oh with man you, you just you just you just end up getting yeah. it at some point and it happens i'm, a, I'm the same way with that and the ipa that and the ipas there's just something there's something wrong when you when you drink those there's just something i gotta wrong disagree with you on that one I gotta, <laughs> uh, the ipas uh, were my weakness but, i'm pretty sure they were responsible for me gaining 30 pounds at one point <laughs> yeah, in my life so. possibly possibly <laughs> um but i'm on the I'm on the sober train tonight. Um, uh, we were talking um, some before we started recording. We we're talking some hobbies, you know. And I'm a, a serial uh, volunteer, so I have a volunteer board committee, and that's another thing that they frown on you showing up drunk too. So, um, just uh, good old Midwestern water here for me tonight. Mm-mm-mm. Well, we got two guests with us, so Linda, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you go first. Um, wh- what are you joining us with tonight? I am so disappointed in myself. 
I mean, I have a San Pellegrino. It's water with a little fancy bit water. Of yeah, fancy water. they're actually quite delicious. Um, <laughs> it's the salt, right? But um, I would be having uh, what I call an element tea. Some people call an element. Um, <laughs> but all of the watermelons are gone, so I, I had to have a San Pellegrino. And uh, I have to tell you that in my office, we started this no sugar thing today. Oh. And That's going to be I'm fun. Still yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Linda's very happy. So, Good so thing we didn't get you on the podcast like two or three days from now. Like in that, <laughs> that like three day window of no sugar. Oh, yeah. You can actually, that make might it. Make for a good podcast. We would get to hear all the gripes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. one day without coffee with sweetener. I'm, I'm already mad. <laughs> uh, see, I can do the coffee without it, but uh, there's, there is a point, Linda, where you go through the, I mean, it's like an addiction and you the break it, but you get, yeah. you get the angries. I get that. I, I was like yelling at inanimate objects when I, the first time somebody made me do that. So, ah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I couldn't live without sugar. A lot of sugar. <laughs> well, and that, could live without I mean, really. sugar. Let's be, let's get, but yeah, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, you? there's a new voice there. So Dan Bully. Okay. Okay, so I got to press. I'm not much of a drinker, but my uh, son and my nephew are both in the beer business. So my son, they all like to get me to try stuff. And uh, so I, I started out with hydrating with water. and I, I, But I have my drink here. And I will point out, because we have a lot of nerds here, that these are my 90s Burger King Lord of the Rings glass. And this is what I oh my God. Oh, wow. and have oh, and have for like since that long. But I have this uh, nerd. My flex. son got me this at <laughs> my son got me this for Christmas. It's the um, Elvis Midnight Snack, peanut butter, banana and bacon flavored whiskey. Wow. Um, oh and it's God. it's really good. <laughs> it's dangerous. Good. Almost That's either going to be. Yeah. Sounds really dangerous. good or really not good. There's no, I don't think there's any. <laughs> no, it's good. It really is good. Yeah. But I mean, you know, everybody's got their own preference. I can, I and, can, and, you I know, can believe it's sneaky too. I'm going to, I have to sneak this in here because I always try is, uh, I'm a super taster, so I can't drink an IPA. It's too bitter for me. Mm. And that actually mm. helps my nephew and my son better, be better in the beer business as they understand what super tasters are. And then they're always trying to find, like they find someone that doesn't like beer and they go, Oh, that's because you're super tasty. Let me find your beard that you like. Yeah. Right on. So what would be a beer you like? So um a half a wisen generally. Like that was my go-to thing. Like my my son would be, yeah, you know, Jimmy's friend Jimmy doesn't like beer. And I go, Well, he might be a super taster. And everybody jokes when you bring up that up, but he's like, I give him a half a wise and he goes, He loved it. I go, he's a super taster. That's my that's my uh my thing. Cool. Very cool. Well, now that we got through our nerd flex, and 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 if those of you who are if you're riding along and playing the home game, you just googled super taster because I did. You know, so, so, so if you're playing the home game, that's that's what you've done so far. Right, so, check that box. Yeah, but we have the two of you have you know. So uh, Linda, I want to I want to start with you. You know, you work in the association world for Smackna. Give people listening that might not know. You know what that's all about. Although, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna say, let them know what it is, what it's all about, and kind of your how'd you get here. Um. So, wow. How did I get here? Um. 
That's a really long story and it goes back to my grandfather and I don't want to start there, but um, when I was uh, when I was in high school, my dad worked for SmackDown of San Diego. I'm from San Diego. Um, I, I went to college in San Diego, San Diego State, um, go Aztecs. And um, at some point there, the association north of us, Riverside, San Bernardino, they, they were going from having a third party administrator for their association to going self-administered. And so I applied to be their office manager. And um, after uh, about three years, I became their, their chapter executive. Uh, five years later, they merged with Orange County SMACNA and that became Orange Empire SMACNA. Another eight years after that, um, my dad needed to retire from SMACNA San Diego. And I came down here and took his job. Uh, well, I didn't take it. They, they gave it to me. <laughs> Get out, man. <laughs> he showed up with that sword and took it. Man. I was not going to say that, but I was thinking. <laughs> you will give me the job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, another, um, I don't know, 17 years later, I... Um, Aaron Hilger is the chapter, it's not the chapter, he is the CEO of SMACNA, and he's been there for going on his third year now. He was, um, had a job opening, and I, he was asking me, who, who do you think would be good for that? And I said, uh, me? You picked your sword back up? <laughs> I picked my sword back up, I said, give it to me. Shall I introduce you to the sword? <laughs> <laughs> it's worked before. Doesn't have a name. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting way about it. It's like he, he trusted you for the input of who should get the job. So yeah, it's like honestly, why not me, right? Yeah, so, right. And uh, well, he was like, I, I think he was surprised because he, I don't think that, I don't think it was in his wheelhouse um, to to th to think that I would want it. Um, and during our conversation, I, you know, I said, well, I, I this is kind of a dream job to me to work for National SMACNA. I, I don't know who else in the world would think that this is their dream job because you don't wake up going, God, SMACNA, yes. Um, but I do. And, well, you do. Yeah. And, and I have for, for decades, I guess. And um, so over the course of the conversation, I said, I don't know that I can leave San Diego. I've got two teenagers in high school. Um, and he said, I don't see a reason why you would have to leave San Diego. So I'm like, okay. Now I'm in. I am really in. So that was last year, about 13 months ago. And um, I'm having a great time and really love what I'm doing. Cool. Yeah. And it, Dan, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us kind of how you sure. got into this? Because I, when I came in, you were already there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer and I got out of school and I got a job and found it to be boring. I was actually kind of working sort of in the industry. They actually, the place I worked had pipe fitters and I didn't know what they were, but, and I worked there for a year and it was kind of weird. And someone just told me like a first friend of a friend said, Oh, this MC of Chicago, they're looking for an engineer. You should go talk to him. And I go, all right, going for an interview, which I thought was going to be like an hour interview. And I was there all day and uh, I took the job and um, I never uh, looked back And my second job, I guess, technically, but first job was a year and i've been there over 36 years and wow. um, i've gotten to reinvent my job 
periodically, which is awesome. And I think in doing so, sometimes I even help reinvent the association too. Um, but I think the big thing is, is if, if you're in the association racket, um, and I say that, you know, lovingly, um, you got to be compassionate about your job and you'll be successful like any job, but even more so here, because in some ways it's harder in some ways it's easier, but you really got to care. Yeah. I guess so that kind of is a good point. We, we went through like the origin stories there, but we both kind of ended with that's how I got the job I have. I, I think what we left out was what is the job that you let, let's Linda, I guess we'll start with you. What, so, what do you actually do? You do here? Well, you, you, so you moved up, we kind of got like your origin and how you moved yeah. up, but the job you took a year ago, uh, you know, what's the title? Tell us what you're doing. I think that's the part now I'm like, Oh shoot. We didn't even, uh, we didn't segue to that very well. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, uh, my title is the executive director of innovation, integration, and learning. Cool. Um, Five times. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was market sectors and that seemed harder to understand. So um, the, I guess my superpower is bringing people together and, and integrating their powers. Um, since we're talking origin, origin stories. Um, <laughs> What I do is the there are five defined market sectors in SMACNA. Um, HVAC, oh God, I, I'm going to do this to myself, right? This is my own test. I'm doing it to myself. HVAC, architectural, industrial, uh, tab, and residential. And what, what I have been doing is bringing our government department into those meetings. I've been bringing our marketing and comms department into those meetings. I've been bringing our, our education uh, department into those meetings. And instead of them working in little silos and these, these contractors saying, I want these things for industrial, um, they're actually getting heard. They're getting heard by the different parts of SMACNA and their programs are going to be uh, developed and put into place going forward. Um, so, so that's kind of what I do. I mean, it's, kind of a nutshell thing, but there's a lot more that I'm doing besides that. I'm I'm also working with the International Training Institute, which is our um, our connection with Smart International and their their training program that is used throughout the country. I'm the SMACNA rep for that. Um, and, and there's there's a lot of other things that Aaron has me uh, kind of touching because of my experience with the with the chapter in the local level so it just brings a different perspective to the national organization having somebody from a local chapter with all of that experience in the office does that help yeah no because i don't no, think everybody me. i don't think everybody understands to kind of the the way because you you see smackna and you see the logo but there's also chapters so you have a national Yep. And then the local chapters, why the need, you know, what, what's the reason Dan, behind Dan would that? be a good one too, to, to talk about his position there. And then he is still with the local chapter. Well, and then the right. two of you can bounce each off, off each other. Well, uh, it, one thing too, and I don't know what SMACN is, but we're an affiliate. So NECA, their chapters. So if NECA's national can tell the chapter what to do, um, our national can't tell us what to do. Um, yeah. I, I assume you're the same. Yeah. So it's a, we call it, we, so we're very careful to say, Hey, we're an affiliate, you know? Um, but, um, 
we started, and then, and obviously the locals started first, and the nationals came along. Um, it started out with we all work for union contractors, you know. We mm-hmm. and what happened was you had the unions form back in the 1800s, late 1800s, and then the contractors are up against these professional negotiators, and they go, well, we better form our own group as protection. So that's how they formed. And then what I like to say is then since then we've done anything we can legally to help that you could do better together, you know, cause there's some things you can't legally do. So anything legally you can do um, to make everybody's life in this industry better. That's what we try to do. So, so that started out with labor relations. And then like when I started um, they, I, they had had an engineer for a hundred years because back in the old days, they have these boilers and the manufacturers weren't honest and our associations sued the boilermakers because said no these boilers don't have that output we had an engineer that would do these calculations say well the empirical out- output of this boiler is this and that's the that is the origin of my job um and so there wasn't as much of that but i did a lot of consulting kind of stuff for people um but then you just you find things like everything i've done is because i got bored and i go i'm gonna find something cool that to do including tech day i mean that started out because i got bored <laughs> so, i don't know if anybody else is like that so <laughs> the, a lot what would you say like the primary job that the associations are doing right now for the for their members is it is it more on the negotiation side or is it more on the education and sort of bringing them together as groups like what's and and i'm going to throw it at you linda first like what's the biggest thing that you see that the associations are sort of doing for their their members well i i think that now well for most of our mep partners you know and nika's included in that um the the skill set that we bring in negotiations doesn't go away. I mean that that is a constant. Whether your your unions get merged or your chapters get merged or or whatever, and we and we do call it. I'm sorry, let me go back to what Dan had said. We do call it a chapter, but we are affiliates legally. Um, there, everybody has their own separate federal ID number, <clears throat> and we're not beholden to the international. <laughs> um, and. So anyway, um, so the that labor relations piece doesn't go away, and you do want your chapter executives to be labor professionals. Um, having said that, the the national organization for SMACNA, I'm sure that it's similar to MCA. Um, you are are able to then go outside of that realm and bring in the education, the innovation. Um, the government relations, uh, all of the other pieces we can bring together because on the local level, you don't necessarily have, you know, all of the the funds or the time or perhaps even the interest um, to get the full realm of the association done. Is that? Yeah. It's fair. Yeah, we... um... I would say the big, we'd say that what we tout is the big thing is labor relations, uh, education, and government affairs. And the government affairs gets more and more important, especially in the local level. In Illinois, um, you know, it, it's it's heavily um, blue, which is good for labor, but then it can be anti-business, you know, sometimes or challenging to business. So we, we're really, we're more active than ever in our government affairs stuff. Um, and education has always been a, a, a big thing for us. Um, and, and I can talk about later about why I think 
why I think that is and how it's grown. It's really grown a lot since the, the old days. Yeah. Yeah. And the labor relations. Conventions that you oh yeah. Conventions are huge because of the education yeah. that we bring in and the, and the parties, that's really important. <laughs> well, it, it's important. social. I forgot about this. Social is so important. I mean, you know, we, yes. and this is, I don't, so I don't have the association. Are you a CAE, Linda? I'm not a uh, CAE. I they have a, yeah. I didn't, I never bothered to get it because I was just too busy having fun with stuff. I'm like, I don't need, I don't need no badges, you know, but um, <laughs> I, um, it, it's, there, there are certifications you could get where you learn how to be certain things, you know, but. Um, yeah, there's I an just, association for it. everything, including association execs. So. <laughs> Which they can be interesting. They used to have actually some pretty cool innovation um, conferences. Yeah. yeah right on. Well, I think that uh, the one of the things that did get overlooked, even when I was you know transitioning over into to SMACNA, was the the government piece because um, I was always very heavily involved in the education side, even before coming into to SMACNA. But I, I don't think a lot of people realize. Um, that's a good place for um, for people to be involved with and and actually be integral and active inside of issues that you that you find important. You know, working with OSHA and OSHA standards and safety, working with um, local or, or government. Well, you know, like we had the big infrastructure bill that just came out. I'm sure all the associations were involved um, in trying to make sure that the the money was spent that ways that we we thought you know benefited. Um, benefited everybody appropriately, I guess is the way I would put that. So I, I don't think that that a lot of people understand that, that, that even from a contractor standpoint, like if you join your local MCA or SMACNA or NECA, like you, you, you do have those opportunities to, to get involved in that stuff. Yeah. We used to even tell people like, well, we'd like to have you join, but if you're not, it's not that we don't want you, but if you're not going to participate, you might as well not join because you're not going to get anything out of it. And then right. the cool thing is when the people come to you and they go, oh my God, I should have joined years ago. I was a fool, you know, and, and that's always the most fun. But I, what I wanted to say was the social side of it, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? A lot of these contractors, they're very successful. They have a lot of things and it, this is fulfilling to them, you know, right? they get, in, get involved in this stuff and, and they're helping, right. you know. And, and I have seen contractors really dig into one piece, you know, like the, yep. They will really be into um, the the legislation, the politics of it all, and because they're just really into politicians or um, or or education or you know what, whatever their little niche is, they they get into it, and it's it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, yeah, you see them get really involved. I mean, it, it was cool from you know when I when I was at the contractor level. I mean, you just you know the company I worked for, like you know, North Mechanical, and then you know Travis, you know with Helm and. Um, you just see some of those companies that are super involved with their organizations. I know Linda, you guys, uh, like here in Indianapolis, um, you know, Pointer and, and Joe Lansdale, like those guys, I mean, they, uh, they found enough value in the, in the association to the point where they felt the need to really involve themselves. Like, I mean, you know, these are all very successful individuals that right. don't have to spend their time some of them don't have to spend their time doing anything anymore to be, to be quite honest. I mean, um, and and they, they choose to spend their time uh, kind of, you know, giving back to those organizations and it's not, it's not making them rich, right? It's, it's fulfilling something they want to do. Um, but they so. do tend to be more successful. I mean, they learn yeah. from their peers, they learn things that they wouldn't have learned otherwise and they do, they are more material, more successful also. 
Um, and that's, and some of the people that said, you know, I wish I'd done this before are because they made more money and some is because they felt more fulfilled mm-hmm. and some both. Well, it's an interesting question because you, you, you don't see this everywhere where there's a lot of sharing of information. There's a lot of, oh, yeah. um, and, and I think all of us here have talked about this at one point or another in the shows. It's like, there was a moment in time where it seems like both SmackNA and uh, MCAA decided like, wait, we're more powerful if we share our secrets and if we hide. Mm-hmm. And I still think that there's people on the outside not joining because they still don't mm-hmm. necessarily there agree are. with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no there always will be. Yeah. But why, you know, t- maybe, you know, Dan, start with, you know, why is it important to get involved? And how is that, you know, sharing culture actually growing uh, contractors? Well, so it starts... It starts socially because you have to get to know each other in order to be able to share, right? Um, and then, for example, um, safety committee, right? So we have a safety committee. And because those once those people get to know each other, they're more likely to share things they wouldn't share with anybody else. So you couldn't have – we tried doing like safety section, you know, where we invite everybody. And we still do stuff for everybody. But they have the smaller groups do the sharing works better. Um, in my in in my experience, mm-hmm. um, but you just have to find other ways to expand on that. Uh, but but absolutely, I mean, everybody knows you know collaboration. You know, I'm I'm an engineer, right? So when we're we're young, we think we know everything, and we don't collaborate because we think, well, this guy they don't know anything. And then you get older, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, what is it? None of us is as dumb as all of us. You've seen that one, right? But, <laughs> no, but not enough. <laughs> when you collaborate with other people, you're you're a lot you get a better result you know and it's hard for some people to do and you you kind of teach them to do that and they go wow this is great dan when i first came on the tech committee with you i gotta say we i came in there from spader and they were very hesitant about sharing anything and they're like you know this is our special sauce and i came back from like the second meeting and i'm like our special sauce is prego it's available (laughs) off the shelf (laughs) at any place in the united states (laughs) you know like Like, and I think people don't realize that until they see an association, they really think, Hey, I'm out ahead. And then you, you know, I, I, I ran into Dave Pikey, like within three meetings and I'm like, Oh no, I'm epically behind. Like, like (laughs) in that, to have just someone to register off of, to have all those other contractors say, okay, where am I standing? I think was really important to my company when we first started doing that. And that's above the negotiation. And, you know, they always knew negotiation was important. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the resources like the labor numbers that you can only get if you're part of the association, because it's based on their work. I mean, those things are super, super valuable. Um, And one thing, well, I was just saying, just fit in there. One thing we found out too, is that wouldn't you rather compete against someone that's educated instead of someone that's like going to have this low bid and they're not, they don't know what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. I'd rather compete against them. I mean, yeah, it, iron it, it iron. it's not intuitive that way, you know, but it's the truth. It's just the way it works. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the fabrication side of things. If everybody's fabricating, then nobody has to worry about bidding on stick building it. And if you want to hear a rant, go talk to Sal D'Ambrosia. You'll hear a rant that <laughs> there are still people doing it. And if you didn't oh, think yeah. it, they're still doing it. I'm interested though, Linda, I want to spin it to you because, you know, Dan kind of, you know, has that local level. So there's a local level in getting involved and then there's the national level in getting involved and you've now bridged the gap and jumped. What's the, you know, so you probably have people who are pretty active at both. 
What's the difference in that? And, you know, why is being active at both levels, you know, beneficial? Well, while we were talking, my mind drifted um, not only to Dave Pikey, uh, but also to, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of us has to say fuck in his honor. <laughs> there we go. We earned that mature. For we got it. We yeah. <laughs> but um, we've just, we've been working on peer groups in SMACNA and they are uh, groups of contractors, about uh, five or so contractors from across the country that are not sharing a market sector or, or not a, a market, I should say. Um, and they go in and do a deep dive into each other's businesses, which has just been phenomenal for them. And so they not only get to know uh, the people for, for people, for social aspects, which is in and of itself a fantastic thing for, for them to do, but they also dive into the financial statements and the the, the safety, all, all of it. Um, and they walk away with something, not not just that they can implement into their own business, but uh, they, they upgrade their business by, yeah, by just right. being that open with each other. And that's a way that, that the national is a lot different from the local because you really can't do that on a local level. You know, you can't. In, in San Diego, I, I would find it highly unlikely if AO Reed was going to open their, their books to University Mechanical. Right. <laughs> I, I don't see that happening. No, and that's probably a good thing because let's keep it legal. Yeah, let's keep it legal. Let's keep <laughs> let's it above board. Yep. Yeah, that, that, those are good. Um, but it's interesting because you focused on contractors upgrading themselves as a business. And I think we fail to understand what that modernization might look like for a contractor. Um, I, I know, well, I don't know. Cause I don't really know exactly who all listens to the show. We got a lot of geeks out there, but I, I just, I hope that there's a, a leader or two out there that just shuddered at the ch- opportunity to open their books. To right? somebody. <laughs> Some of them won't open their books to their own people. Or yeah. their spouses. <laughs> but there's a lot. I think there's a lot of trust built in those groups before they there ever is. do it, though. We did. It's it. not like the first day you bring your books in. No, no. <laughs> there's well, definitely a trust fall. Yeah, we had an MCA yeah. peer yeah. group where we definitely shared our financials, and yeah, I mean, you know, it it could be seen as vulnerable, but once That's again, it was work. it was all about like the ability. You know, it's like this is all going to be real. This is all going to be driven. You know, you we're we're not going to hide things here, and we're not going to you want to see if you want to see what really works um sometimes you got to look beyond the textbook right it's like what's the what's really working right i like the way that you phrased it too jeff that um you know we all try to get better at at contracting or building um but i i don't think a lot of people always focus on getting better as as a business getting healthier as a business and you need those regular checkups to to make sure that you're on the right path yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes you get kind of sold on what you're, you know, you look at like profit margins and things like that, which, uh, you know, you might have like a regional competition or, you know, or you're at least sold on where you've been historically. Mm-hmm. And then maybe when you look at some other people, you're, Hey, these guys found like three to 4% that I didn't think existed in the market. Right. I mean, right. What, what's going on here? Right. This isn't, yeah. sometimes you need that that proof that eye-opening like 
it reminds you that hey we're we're not doing it all right you know because yeah. they found yeah. it somewhere uh it's not well, yeah you, money, you, you know, have people well. that inspire you you know to to not mm -hmm. settle and that, yeah. that happens too you and sometimes have... it's the competitive instinct and sometimes it's just like wow this guy's so cool i want to be like him right <laughs> <laughs> well competitive yeah and that's a good thing too so yeah well and if you haven't changed your business model in a long time like say the 90s um you could you could still be thinking that change orders are the way to make money right yes. wait they're not <laughs> on the change orders wait. they're not they surprised me you know, we're a tech show and or a tech show. And I think that tech is an area where it's really people are on little islands. I went to New York City and was going from business to business. And they're like, oh, we're never going to see. We don't see anything in Revit here in New York City. This is two years ago. And, and I'm like, they're like, oh, no, you can't even do sheet metal in Revit. And I'm like, hold on. Well, I go get Stacy to talk to you. about how to do. You know, it's so nice to be able to have somewhere where you can, you can say not only like where you don't have to say you're wrong. You can just say, let me go introduce you to the person who's already doing what you think can't be done. Um, right. And that definitely it, from the tech side, there are so many things you like, I, I remember reading huge articles about the hollow, the hollow lens is being used by no one in the United States and then calling up <laughs> Travis and saying, are you still using it? Like you're still using it all the time, yeah, right? right? You're right. making money on it. Okay. So like, I, I feel like that perspective's lost. It would be like being a 5k runner in a small town and then going to a big city to run a race. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm getting destroyed. You know? Yeah. Well, so, you know, you said something about a business, you're running a business. So we were one of the first uh, associations to do real heavy education. And it was really because of a NECA study. You know, NECA's got their foundation. And they had this paper that talked about what makes contractors successful in union versus non-union. They said, well, the union, the non-union contractor is a business person that goes into contracting. And the union contractor is, you know, a contractor that's kind of maybe running a business. And that's when we go, oh, we need to we need to do it. And they're just relying on the unions to train them. And we, we need to make sure that our contractor office people and, and everybody else is getting as good a training as the union is on the skills. And that's how mm -hmm. we got involved in doing really heavy education. That's an interesting point. Yeah. And, and that was like one of the that was one of the biggest aha moments that, you know, we ever had as an association, like back in the early 90s, reading that NECA study or, or the what are the their Electri, Electri study. Electric, yeah, Electric. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the old joke working for a contractor was that we actually were an accounting business that dabbled in building things once in a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, yeah, it, it's important to work on on the business part of things. But I, I like it, Jonathan, the innovation side or Travis, I can send it over to you. But I was going to say we got to get back to this innovation side of things. You know, our geeks are going to start to to wonder oh. if we've lost well, our I was, edge. improving. Your I was just going to start making innovative. a pitch. Yeah. I was just going to start making a pitch because you were talking about, you know, we're usually a bunch of nerds here, but we've been doing this show for four years now. And you've Long had time. the crew around for, for longer than that. A lot of the people that probably started listening to this podcast or other podcasts that, that are tech minded are starting to ascend the ranks. Um, so hopefully they are starting to think about, um, you know, ways to engage in the business, ways to get, you know, if your if your company is a little bit closed off, how do I how do I get into the the next rung and understand what the business is doing? And and they've heard a lot of the same things that I'm sure 
the business people throw around from the tech side. It's like, well, we've already done this. We're making money. I, I know what my margin is. Um, I, I, hopefully, I would I would challenge some of those people that that listen that are as they are kind of moving their way up through their career. Um, hopefully, they're not kept in a closet like the old IT guys. Great you know, point. <laughs> just just fed Mountain Dew and pizza and whatnot. That's a great point. <laughs> and and oh, by I the way, as far as you know, be, being on this podcast, I just have to say I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> I'm <just, I> <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. You know, long time listener, first time joiner. <laughs> we, I must say there's a lot of, you know, the, the people we kind of grew up with, I guess, dwarf side here, you know, like there's a lot of executives in this group now. I mean, there's a, like, it, it's definitely, it, it's pretty cool to see. I mean, well, I think Jonathan's really survey cool. at the MEP pointed that out that there's yeah. a, a larger percentage yeah, of I was executives. Surprised. Yeah. And, and we're going to be doing a lot more training along those lines of um, taking, taking people who are in those tech positions now and teaching them how to lead when they're not in a position to be leading. Like, how do you lead in the position you're already in? You know, I have to tell you, I always wanted to write a book on that because I, I'm not a front man. I've always been a behind the scenes man, and I, I had this. I, I wanted to write this book called Leading Up, where you can lead from wherever you're at. Yeah, um, that it's, it's a cool <laughs> concept. <right. laughs> um, Copyrighted. Well, I, I think there's people that that concept has been around, but we all have our own idea of it. Um, yeah. And especially in the association, when jobs like us, like we're not, you know, I, I'm never going to be an exec. And I don't want to be, you know, the head guy, but you, you, there's so many opportunities to, whether the other person ever knows that or not, that you did that, that you're leading up and you're teaching people things and helping them become leaders in their own right. Yeah. Can I ask you both a question about maturity of businesses? Because I am I'm seeing the same thing, and I could just be in a weird. I won't ask Linda because she just <laughs> but like, but but I'll ask Dan now. Um, but but when I come in now, like I've talked to companies, and they're like, "Oh, we have mature BIM. We have mature this. We they're like we have a lot of more mature companies at the heads of these associations. You you're at the you're at sort of the level at where you're talking to some of the newer you know, the newer contractors that are coming into the market and some of the newer people that are joining the association, how do you, how do you help them, you know, sort of realize that there's a path to maturity um, in the associations or how do you deal with those new people that they were outside the association, they're blowing it off, like you said, Dan, and they're like, they're, they're going to get the point now. Like what, what do you say to them? And, and how is that kind of looked at? You mean to join or to get involved in tech or what? What any, if you're joining I, from the outside? You know, I got it, and I could be wrong. If you're joining from the outside, my assumption is actually that you're a less mature company, probably because it's going to be tough to be mature not without necessarily. Not necessarily. I don't know why people join or why they don't. There's people. There's people we try to get in for years because they're very good companies, and there's a couple companies that took 20 years to join. Yeah, you know, and they were on the edges the whole time, and I, we don't worry about that. We don't worry about. We worry about. Hey, come in. You're going to learn stuff. You're going to have fun. You're you know going to do better in your business, and that's what we tell people. Um, and if they do it, they do it. And if they don't, that we don't have control over that. You know, we can't worry about that. I, I but I, you're, they're going to be more mature though, generally, if they're a member, because they're getting all this good stuff. You know, because we do care. Time to travel, right? Um, yeah, that too. 
I think the reason I was asking is I run into a lot of comp- a lot of people walking around at the conferences and they're like, how in the world am I supposed to start a BIM department? I've got all these people that are sort of laughing at me because I don't have a BIM department. But like, like there, there's, there is this like gap and it seems like it's getting bigger as, as the, the bigger contractors get more mature between someone who's just starting out in the association and someone who's been in the association for a while and has a peer group and already has sort of some of these things that, that go, I don't want to say they go hand in hand with the associations, but they really do kind of go hand in hand. Do, do you guys look at that and the pathways to sort of bringing them up to speed? I know we are. We're we're starting to. Um, we have a little bit of a a disconnect with with language on this platform because we we want to call them emerging leaders or we want to call them new you know new members or you know first timers or you know but there's got to be a better term that we can call them. But in, in, until we figure that part out, I guess. Um, what I, what we did at this last convention is, uh, we identified those people and we put them, uh, invited them. We didn't put them, uh, well, we put them, um, <laughs> in a, in a reception with our, our, uh, long-term members, uh, the, in, in SMACNA, after you've been around for entirely too long, they give you a college of fellows, um, award. And uh, those people all gather in places around the country uh, a couple times a year, but um, they do come to convention. And so we invited those people that we're identifying as people coming up in the industry and put them with the people who've been here in the association world for a long time and kind of, you know, partner them at the beginning of the convention so that they've got someone that they can ask questions or talk to or, you know, somebody who can just micro mentor for that week. I like micro mentor as a, as a term that that's a good term. (laughs) That's buzzy. Yeah. From from my perspective, um, this, I I have a lot in my head. I can't figure it out. um, So when I first started, the only people that participated were like the, the C-suite people, the owners or one or two down. And um, as we did more education, we got more people and we said, hey, we got to get more of these people involved. And the, and the irony is that the people that are on the safety committee, the industrial committee or the service committee, the technology committee or something like that, they're going to get plugged in a lot quicker because they're going to be in this group where they're going to do something mm-hmm. they know about. It's probably the, um, you know, the, the principles that are you know harder to maybe um, or, or no, they just have to do it on their own. I mean, I, you can't make them do it. You know, they right. get in there, they find someone that they connect with now. Well, we have new members, you know, our board will always make sure they talk to them. I will, um, John Rayburn, he's our exec. He'll always, you know, he'll make sure to go talk to them. You know, we, we know that, um, and it just, you know, happens, but, um, yeah, you do have to, you'd have to look at that at least, but yeah, no, we all think everybody thinks about that. I mean, that's association, a lot of stuff we call association 101, right. And that's the, Hey, make sure your new members are comfortable. Oh, and I forgot. And at some point, let me know when we're ready to talk about this. You know, you talk about emerging leaders. Well, we have young professionals group, and I'd like to talk about that at some point when we're ready and how important that is. Well, I, I think this is a perfect time for that because I was just going to say this is a good time to. We <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to bring up is you know how do we get more people involved? Um, trying to trying to lead into you know, I think um, 
Dan, you said something about the hierarchy of needs. And I think that we know from all the research lately that, you know, the, the younger generation wants to feel a part of something. Um, and, yeah. you know, whether or not you can, you know, I think you should obviously get it from your, your company as well. But if you are a company that belongs to an association, there's a lot of opportunity to influence your local government, to um, work on building good labor relations, to um, all the way up to uh, setting the edge for the for an entire industry. Like if you if you get involved with the national level of one of these associations, you are you're de you're defining. <clears throat> excuse me, you're helping define the path of an entire branch of the MEP or carpentry or walls or whatever it ends up, whatever that association ends up being. So what is that plea? What, how do we, you know, talk about the emerging leaders a little bit more, the young professionals, uh, Dan, you can go ahead and start, start with. Oh, yours. okay. So um, we've always known that we need to get younger people in the industry and people had tried these young professional groups and it didn't work. And um, what happened once was um, my old boss, Steve Lamb, um, and I do need to mention, cause it's important there's, we, we, you're successful because you have cool, I got to work with cool people like Lamb and then now John Rayburn who are just really let you do the stuff you want to do and get stuff done. But Lamb went, went to see one of these other chapters and they had this successful young leaders program. And he's like, well, how did you do it? Everybody else has failed. A lot of people tried to fail and they go, well, we brought these, the suppliers in and they tend to be the bigger, bigger um, personalities and they kind of help the groups worked out. So we started out with that. And then now I think because the, the thing has changed, you know, the people have changed. We don't need them. We still invite them, but they're not, they're not like, as, like it used to be like half and half. Mm -hmm. But our young professional group really um, just is its own group within our group. Um, and they really excel and do their own things. And then we have a women's group. And then we just had an event with our women and our young professionals group together. And we had over 50 people. Which is a lot, you know, which is a lot just to come out on a, a weeknight for a, at a brewery for tr Tringo, which is trivia and bingo. And we had over 50 people and they had a blast. Tringo. Um, and if I, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this out. So I didn't do this on purpose, but I just happened to, as I left the office today, I'm, I'm going to bring this thing. So I did some research for somebody else because they were doing a talk and they said, hey, you got one of these young professional groups. Ask them what they think. Um, helps them how the association helps them so this is going to be like a letterman top 10 list but it's only nine tell me that if works. i'm taking too much time no no One, go love, for it, love the social aspect okay two helps me talk to customers better as i meet a lot of different people and learn how to interact with them better three makes you feel more human when you lose a job you realize your competitors are human and you get less angry four education classes five i like this one it's like the Vikings. You eat a meal with the same people you're about to do battle with. Uh, the, the network six, the networking is great because you never know who you might meet that can help you down the road in your career. Seven, helps you find resources that you need now as you can pick up the phone and call someone that is in your industry. Eight, nice to help someone out when you're at a public bid opening and a buddy that isn't there is 25% low and you give them a call and tell them to check their bid. And then nine is just commiserating, <laughs> you know, when things are bad, you get together and commiserate, which is what we did during COVID. We did a lot of meetings, you know, virtual meetings and everybody commiserated. So I hope you, I, I'm not Letterman or any of those other guys. So I, I, I oh, could have no. presented it better, but there's my top 10 list. Top you forgot to list. throw the card though. 
Did you throw the I was going to do that, but uh, you know, I don't have the sound effects. I don't know. You have, I don't know, maybe Matt, you have sound effects, right? No, Trent's got the sound effects. Trent's the sound guy. I better not. I better not. I'll make John He's not allowed to use them. Well, all right. Let's, let's just try it. All right. Ready? Ready? There we go. There we go. There we go. Let's bring in the props today. Um. So, you know, a lot of the things on that list are not um, necessarily confined to young people. And um, one of the things that we're starting to address in SMACNA is that um, if as, as tech people um, become more higher in their positions in the company and they reach maybe that C-suite, um, they're not that young anymore. Um, but they are that experience that, you know, inexperienced. Right. And so, so what do we call these people? You know, we, young professionals, good. Um, uh, nobody wants to be a newbie. Um, <laughs> you know, right. uh, but, but we want to bring them in. We want to put them in peer groups. We want them to learn. We, you know, we, we've got resources for them. Um, they're, but they're just, you know, a lot of them are just not as, as young as we would, or maybe we're, you know, that old, I, I'm not, because I never age, but right. um, <laughs> you were talking about the labor movement, man, I remember when that was going on. <laughs> is, it, is, is there a demo? Go ahead, Travis. Oh, we're too polite to one another. Yeah. Is there a demographic though that you're seeing? Either of you, do you either see like a certain demographic? Because like when I look at the, what, I went to uh, women and future leaders for Nika. Okay. And if, if you wanted me to tell you what the demographic was, the demographic was overachievers. I had everybody there that was the younger people were the overachievers for their companies. It was, it, and to the point where, you know, how there's like jokes about overachievers being like overclocked brains and everything else, like all of them that were that way. It was like, awesome. It was my people. I love them. But, but that's what I would have said they are. Is there a common like demographic that you're seeing in these young professional groups, Dan, or in, in the Linda and some of these younger people that are coming in? I, I don't know. I, I mean, what's an overachiever? I mean, is it a workaholic or is it someone that just cares? I mean, I can't tell the difference. I will tell you one thing. Um, when I was younger, I was very, um, people don't believe it now. I was very introverted and when we had our first um and there weren't a lot of these people when we had our first we originally called it merging leaders we got rid of that name because they're well i've already emerged it was a lot of jokes um and there were some people that showed up that just hung out in the corners and having been one of those persons i would go and I'd talk to them and i go introduce them to someone else that i thought was like them and, um it was only the first meeting I never had to do that again but so I don't know. Are those are they overachievers too? There's just so many different personality types. I don't. I can't. I can't do that. Maybe you can, Linda. Maybe you. You. Maybe I look at people weird. You know, I'm. I'm different. So I look at people different than a lot of other people look at people. So that's um, all I can say. You're. You're right. They're. I mean, that's why I'm having problems with giving them a name, right? But um, I, still, I get. I'm sorry to do this to you guys, but Dave Pikey. Um, <laughs> I pikey'd you again. <laughs> Damn it, we've been pikey'd. <laughs> but um, it's it's you know he's he's not that young, but he's not that old. 
So, um, and, and he's somebody who is constantly moving, who's constantly, you know, um, not never settling, right? He doesn't, he's not a guy that settles. Um, and those are the people I would imagine that, that you're, you're seeing as those overachievers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I don't know that they are, that you can call them anything else because they're, they're all ages and colors and genders and, um, and they're just they're they're coming up they're coming up through the, the industry. Problem yeah. solvers, it's it's people. Yeah, I was just gonna at, say at the they're innovators. Of, at the yeah. heart of it, it's about problem solving, and I can relate to it because it's like I I feel like a lot of people are hired to solve a problem. A lot of times, like it's when you come on board somewhere, there's kind of this set problem that they you're being hired to solve. Well, one day you're gonna solve it if you're, you know, if you're worth your salt, you're gonna solve it, right? Um, so at that point, it's like, are you gonna be the person that? Hey, I solved my problem and I'm going to sit back in my chair and say, or are you the one that continuously finds more problems to solve? And yeah, people like Dave Bikey are the ones that yeah. are always going to find problems. I mean, that's the, that's the difference. It's like the problem he was hired to solve 20 years ago or what, you know, was solved probably 19 and a half years. I mean, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you you know, think of all of those guys that were hired to solve the Y2K problem, right? Yeah, I, I do have <laughs> kind of an answer to that based on what you said, Trent, and that is that the people that the, the early the early adopters in technology and innovation, whatever you call it, they tend to be the overachievers, but they like to go on to the next project. And then you got to bring in the other people that are going to keep that project going. And maybe the second people that come on, they're still passionate, but they may not be the overachievers because they're the steady eddies or whatever. You know, I, I don't know if that's mm -hmm. true. But definitely the, the early adopters are the overachievers or, or like me, the people that just don't want to be bored. Is that the 70 you know, percenters yeah. versus the 30 percent? Is that like, are we yeah. talking about the yeah. same? Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe. A little bit. They don't, I mean, some people are really good at getting an idea to 70 percent. Some people are really good at getting 70 to 100. Right. That's yeah. Yeah, we, we talk about that a lot, about the fact that you have a personality type that gets bored after they've solved the initial problem and needs to move on. And then you need a leader that's, you know, able to, like, actually turn that into a process that's repeatable, that's scalable. And when I when I said overachiever, by the way, I totally think that introverts or extroverts does not necessarily have anything to do with that no like i, one I of my get favorite it but... books is that quiet yeah. book if you haven't read it dan you'll love it no, be quiet okay Requiet. Okay. it's about introverts in in sort of business and how valuable they are and how yeah. to use them correctly in your business in terms of yeah. making sure there's a way for them to communicate easily but mm -hmm. i think what i was looking at is just that like i think trent hit it is that problem solver mentality. By the way, I, I think that the 70 percenters that like solving the initial problem are their own problem to solve by those other people <laughs> that are bringing it to the finish line. Like, like in their in their case, Trent is their problem. You know, right, exactly. Trent took it to 60 well, percent, and we have to make Trent work. Well, see, I I feel like I you know we bring things to 100 percent. We just don't keep them going at that 100 percent level because we go on to the yeah. next thing. I think and, that's fair. But the other part is it's hard to let go of it too, you know, because you got oh, this yeah. going, it's your baby, and then someone else is doing it. And it's like they nobody even associates you with that anymore, and you kind of feel a little bit sad, but you're you're re you still really rather do the find the next thing if you can. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, what about those of us that take it to forty percent and call it done and move on? (laughs) 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 And then we come, we come back every once in a while and break it again. That's a whole other thing because maybe something should only be brought to seventy. Because that's the whole thing is there's a lot of things that probably shouldn't be brought past eighty percent, you know. And when you do mature it, then you've maybe you've gotten too comfortable. You know, maybe mature means comfortable. It's actually interesting. I had. Hamza Shambari from Haskell uh, on a show recently, and they have a a thing called Disrupt Tech. And whenever you're bringing something new into uh, Haskell, they go through this process. And it's interesting, the number that don't get to even go through the process and then the number that go through the process and don't make it. So you're right, Dan, like there is a process to you shouldn't let us just do what we do all the time. It's not necessarily good for business. Yeah. Cause a lot you of know. what we do is never done. I mean, if, yeah, if, you, right. if, if you leave me to my own, you know, to, to like my own initiatives, like I'm, I'm never, never going to be done. I mean, yeah. So you, you need somebody that's going to yeah. reel it well, in. Like, cause and it's going to say, no, stop. Yeah. You're well, done. there's a point of diminished return on most projects and most things. Right. I mean, yeah, there's a point where you get something to a level and the cost to get it to that level was this, but to get that last little bit is actually the same cost as the first lot of it. I mean, so uh, there's a, there's a woman, I don't know if you guys, I can't remember her name, but she, there's this woman that does MCA and she might do smack to two, but they do the personality things, you know, like yeah. personalities. And you, you ever seen the one that's like, you're either a square, a triangle no. or a circle. All right. So how many of you were squiggles? I don't, so i'm in this room i don't want to raise one. my hand to the to being well a i guess I, i'm in this room right and they're talking about this stuff and they go in the circle the triangle the square and I, I don't i don't think i'm one of those people and all these people are doing it and they go and then there's this other type and we call them squiggles and she said i go that's me and i'm like how many squiggles are there's like three of us in this room of yep. 300 and i'm like it's just weird that only three of us identify as that squiggle and they go, and you should never have you know, more than one squiggle in an organization or something like that. And, <laughs> and you get scared and stuff. You know, oh, you're like a gremlin. There's rules or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was just, it was mind blowing to me that there's that many people in the room and there's that few squiggles, and you were just like, oh my god, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's the we 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 were doing the content crew live at that show, and Rob and I were breaking out, and I got lucky enough to be in her pre. She changed the way I present. We used to do, we had this whole, you know, presentation methodology that we would use and timing and number of slides. And basically in 10 minutes of her talk, I was like, well, there goes everything. We're throwing this out the door. And by the way, I'm a squiggle. Like, (laughs) we need a uh, secret handshake or something, right? Yeah. And she has the funniest. She has the funniest presentation. She's like, "I have 150 slides. We can get through it. We can really rally, yeah. or or we could do a presentation with no slides." And of course, everybody's like, "No slides." And she's like, "Yeah, well, good because I don't have the other one." So. <laughs> <laughs> and it gives a personality test, a whole bunch. Of, it was one of the most interactive, cool. We got to find her name, Dan, because that was she all right. Was I'll really, find it for you. I'll she's find it. really I can't good. Think of the lady wasn't the same lady that because we did a personality test at IPM, Dan, through the MCA. And I don't know. I'm trying to think. Wonder if they use the same. Can't remember well, her name for the life of me. People do a lot of different things. You know, some people use that whatchamacallit test, right? And then some people use Fister, colors. Uh, yeah. And some people use the whatchamacallit. <laughs> well, you know, what's that one? The Briggs. 
Briggs. Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs. Which I hate the Myers Briggs test. And I we had this woman we used to work and did this one of these classes for us. And I go, let me tell you why I hate the Myers Briggs test because I'm like, well, I know I have these weaknesses here, but I'm working on them. And she goes, oh, oh, she says, well, we had that wrong for so many years. We, like she said, oh, no, you're right. We had the Myers-Briggs test wrong for so many years. And some people still don't get it. You know, that it didn't if you mean ever wanna, that that's where you are. If you ever want to hate the Myers-Briggs even more, watch the episode of Adam Ruins Everything where he did. <laughs> dives into the Myers-Briggs. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> or or whenever you see Jake Olson, give him a grab and ask him why he hates it. Right? He was I think it was on Todd Wyant's show where he and Todd came together on not liking that one at all. I had no idea that this is so cool that we're connecting at this level that, yes, we hate the Myers-Briggs. I, I, <laughs> yes. You've made my day. You guys have made my day. I don't <laughs> want to leave here. Do I have to? Can I not? I'm not going to leave. Can, can I be the current political... Now? I think Myers Briggs is awesome if you're writing ah, characters. You're if you're like show. writing about something, oh, it's you're awesome writing because characters. these are the <laughs> flattest personalities you're ever going to see in your life. Like if you're going to write characters in the story, use Myers Briggs. Other than that, if it's real people, don't use Myers Briggs. <laughs> well, you know what the cool thing was about this woman that was talking about that told me, oh, we had it wrong. She's like, well, now they can say, like, say you're you're here, but you could jump over here and you jump back. Um, and that's kind of like me, like when I'm, pre if I'm presenting, you know, I have to jump over here, which is not my area and I, re I can knock it out of the park, but then I jump back cause I don't live there. And that, right. that was kind of a cool moment too. Definitely. When you read that book, quiet now, Dan, you need to read that. <laughs> it's like, just called like, quiet. Jump on the Ted talk. It's, yeah. It's called yeah. quiet. Okay. Yep. And she's got a Ted talk that goes with it. It was kind of good, but, but it talks about sort of the introverts that are able to jump into the personality of a professional in order to give a talk and then have to go to the bathroom and wait 20 minutes to calm the hell down after mm -hmm. that talk well, on stage. So if we're getting into that kind of stuff. So one of the things I noticed was like, I can go back and forth between my left brain and my right brain, but it takes a while. Like you said, like 20 minutes in the bathroom. And yeah, I think you can actually hear the click, you know? Yeah. But the really, really um, amazing people, the people that can just do it like that effortlessly, and you can see it, you can watch it. Um, I don't know if you know, I know, I know someone like that. I won't say their name, but I mean, I could, I guess, but um, it, it's, that's who I see are the people that really can master things, like master anything. You know, it's so interesting to watch leaders because I think a lot of times, and we were talking about leadership development, I think a lot of times leaders start out in a place, but the thing that they actually all do the same is they all learn. So like, you know, like, like they, they, they learn from their peers. They learn from obviously the associations, they learn, you know, how to be a professional despite whatever, wherever they started from. And I, I think that's one of the things where it's like, you need to have, you need to have the the interaction with those other personality types to learn those talents. Like I learned a lot when I was on that tech committee about how to um, go from being VDC sitting in a chair, typing at, at BIM all day to, Hey, you're going to lead VDC and build yeah. bigger things. And here's all the personalities that are going to teach you how to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was, it was, yeah. it, it, it was very inspiring. Like I, I got to say the first few years that I was on the tech committee and you were there, Dan, for, I think some of those, um, yeah. and Travis, you were there at the tail end. Yeah, I think, oh, uh, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that, that I changed dramatically during that time. So mm -hmm. 
we we are getting kind of towards the the end of time is okay. is there something that that you would say you know is unique about the associations um because you've worked in them a long time that you really don't see in other organizations you don't see it in you know engineering or in aerospace or in you know everybody has husbands wives um people that they know closely that are working in under their industries is there anything that you see in the associations that really separates out them from um, those organizations outside of, of of construction, you mean like association staff tend to be stranger groups than most normal pe- people? <laughs> that's just you, Dan. You, you have to realize no, that's every, just every, you. Every, no, everybody <laughs> in the association. The better associations are like the misfit toys. We used to call ourselves. Oh yeah, yeah. Toys. yeah. Um, well, Linda, why don't you answer that? Because I feel like I'm talking too much. Well, I mean. Jonathan, John, you're saying that you know we all have you know husbands and wives that work at my my fiance is a therapist, so um, <laughs> do they go to conventions? Do they have a therapist one? association? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Can I go do. to their conventions? <laughs> <laughs> um, I may need a lot to drink after this, but um. I can't have any. That's really upsetting. But yeah, I, it's hard for me to say because I've 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 lived my life in in the association world, and so I don't I don't really have a uh, an open window into what it's like to work for corporate America. In fact, working for SmackDown National is the closest thing I've ever you know come to working for corporate America. Because in my old association, SmackDown San Diego, it was me and a part time person. So, you know, now I have to pay attention to work anniversaries and, and reviews and things like that, that I never had to really focus on in the past. Well, I, I can answer that question with kind of a, the answer that you guys never asked me. And that is, um, I'm blending a couple things here. I think the associations, the good association is more pure. And my example is, um, all the different tech conferences you've gone to, which is the best one? The one MVP created by, the, yeah, because it was created by associations, because mm-hmm. it's created from within, um, and I think that's that's the beauty of the association. Now they have to be good and do it right, and we did mm-hmm. it right, you know. Um, but that that's one of the differences, you know. I, I, I'll call it we're you know we're pure. We we don't have any allegiance is a step to make right. our industry better that's our job you know yeah there's no boundaries like we we bring in right. the best of our of our industry if and- you have a good boss if you have a good leader there's no boundaries and that's what i was really lucky to you know to have these leaders like right. that that i worked for yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's one of the things I was trying to pull out a, a thread in in Jonathan you you touched on it too is like um yes we focus on the tech side cuz we're in the tech and innovation but i imagine those problem solving leaders exist in the accounting department and the project management and the associations hopefully are, are, are in, in the, the, you know, the C-suite people that are already involved in associations are starting to understand that I need to send my people to this stuff. I need them to have these social interactions because um, yeah, maybe they're gone for a week, but it actually makes my company better. It, It creates better employees. And then, um, you know, even selfishly, I, I would say this a lot of times when I was on the tech committee or, or involved on the, the tech side is like, I get to, I get to drive tech 
in that in that realm, I got to drive tech in a direction I thought was best for for the industry and my company. And um, if you're not involved in these types of activities, you, you don't have that sort of input. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have those leaders showing up and emerging and and playing a role from all facets of the business, I think that's been the interesting part, too, since to watch you know, MCAA do its thing, SMACNA do its thing, Nika do its thing. And then for them all to realize that like, there's this thing that they are going to do together at MEP innovations. Cause each one was, you know, let's be honest at one point, not cannibalizing from another. Cause it's, a, it's, you know, different, um, different members, although a lot of them bleed over into different right, ones, right, right? They're right. members of more than one, but to just say like, Whoa, okay. This is for the industry by the industry and better together. That's that's really powerful with with what you're capable of doing as a as a group. And I think, you know, we see that with these groups and organizations that get involved at the local, the national and and put their put themselves out there. Travis, I think, you know, Helm could say that they got almost more than they put in out. And that's mm -hmm. that's a pretty powerful piece to be able to do. Yeah. Well, mostly you get that with associ any association, anything they do. Yeah. 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 And I and yeah. I would take it just one step further too. Like as these as our associations are are combining, obviously, yes, we have our members, um our members, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Best interests at heart. Um, but we are also trying to improve the entire industry. So we do get yep. involved with the not-for-profits, the Kurtz, the the CPCs. Um, right. you know, it goes back to to wanting to um bid as you know work or, or do battle with as level a playing field as possible you know we're not going to give all our secrets away to the non-associate members the non-union members but um it's just better for everybody if whatever we if we feel like if we feel like we have a program that we're putting on or a, a research paper that we're putting on that will just make construction better right. most of the the associations do not have a problem sharing that right yeah, yeah. well and that's how you lead uh, from the front still. So it's, it's pretty awesome. And I think it goes right back to, and I'm, I'm going to have to wrap us up. So I want to thank Linda and Dan for sitting down with us today and, and talking association and, and being on the show with us. So, you know, Linda, thank you so much for, for sitting down and for all that you're doing for the, for the industry, uh, as a whole. Thank you. It's a, it was fun. Uh, we, you know, you, you, you blew us away with the sword. I think that still might be <laughs> the best prop yet. Uh, was the sword. Up there for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely up there. And Dan, it has just been too long that we, we haven't had you on, but I think we, you know, we let that wine age perfectly and brought you to the right time. So it's great to have I, you on. I was so excited. I really appreciate you having me on there. I, it, Cause you guys are a lot of fun to listen to and it's fun to be part of it. Well, and I think there'll be a few people out there, at least in our circle, buying that Elvis uh, bottle. That was, that's <laughs> got to be we'll the most. The we had dimension. we had the most so, the unique sword prop, the most yeah, unique yeah. drink so far. I mean, you guys are you guys are raising the bar for everybody yeah. else. And Made I think for that's a fun evening. Yeah, 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 Swords for sure. And, and Elvis, and yeah, yeah. that's great. Well, and I think that's why we can honestly say this has been episode seventy-eight. Awesome by association. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. All right. And then we went.